Most of us can't go a single day without our phones, batteries and cars. They all use lithium. It's one of the lightest materials of all the elements on the periodic table and will be highly sought after in coming decades as we move away from fossil fuels and towards greener technologies. But experts say as we expand our mining of minerals, there's more potential for harming the biodiversity of surrounding areas and other environmental consequences. What new technologies are being developed to extract lithium sustainably? You're listening to Think Digital Futures. I'm Julia Karkatzel. If we're going to accomplish the net zero by 2050, there's going to be an enormous growth in, in the consumption of a whole series of, of metals. Rick Valenta is the director of the WH Bryan Mining and Geology Research Centre at the Sustainable Minerals Institute at the University of Queensland. He says the demand for metals will skyrocket as we begin the green energy transition, moving away from fossil fuel powered technologies and towards renewables. The decarbonisation of the world is going to be driven by a number of technologies, uh, batteries, um, magnets, um, electric motors, wind farms and, and wind turbines and, and, and solar panels. And all of those things essentially require metals. The World Bank estimates the production of such materials could increase by 500 per cent by 2050. It says more than 3 billion tonnes of minerals and metals will be needed to build technology required to keep global warming below 2 degrees Celsius this century. There are currently about 2 million electric cars in the world. By 2030, that number will increase 100-fold. Which means demand for lithium, the crucial metal used for car batteries, will skyrocket too. Fortunately, Australia produces a lot of it. Most of the lithium that's currently mined in Australia or obtained in Australia is coming from Western Australia. Australia is rich in lithium and already accounts for half of the world's production. So the lithium sits in minerals within the hard rock, um, a rock type called the pegmatite. Um, and that rock is mined, blasted, um, trucked to a plant, crushed, ground. Um, and then the lithium is ultimately, you know, after a whole series of processes, um, leached, out of the, leached out of the minerals after they've been concentrated. But this method of extraction can create a lot of pollution. The biggest impact there is likely to be the um, energy and emissions um, associated with the use of that energy to grind the rock up. So the main um, impact, I guess, is that all of that requires energy um, and also uh, storage of tailings and, if it's an open pit, storage of waste rock. Hard rock mining is just one extraction method used. An alternative method is extracting lithium from brine, that is, from mass salt lakes in places like Bolivia. A lot of the world's lithium resources do sit in salars, in, in, in brines. Um, and it is a, a, a process that, that requires, um, you know, large volumes of, of, of water, you know, salty water to be, to be uh, evaporated um, and, uh, and chemically treated to simplify the brines and then, and then chemically treated to extract the various uh, 
um, lithium compounds. But these methods can be even more environmentally damaging. You know, one figure that kind of scared me when I heard it was that for every tonne of lithium that you're obtaining from those those brines and and they're, and they're they're salt lakes because because you know there's net evaporation in that area it's not an area where where there's a huge supply of fresh water but for every ton of lithium um, you need 250 tons of fresh water um, and and that's kind of a scary uh, to me that's a scary number Scientists have been experimenting with more environmentally friendly methods of extraction, one of which is from water. Geothermal brine is a hot and concentrated saline solution having circulated through hot rocks of geothermal areas. They're enriched with minerals like lithium, boron and potassium. Scientists use nanofiltration technology, acting like a kind of sieve, to selectively collect only lithium chloride. Everybody relates to lithium in a way because it's something that's used for batteries and you know everything from your um, mobile, your advanced mobile phones, battery that's being used for charging, your new vehicles. This is Gayathri Naidu a researcher at the Centre for Technology in Water and Wastewater at UTS. Her team is working on extracting lithium from seawater. What we did observe is that in desalination plants, I did discuss how um, fresh water is produced from seawater. So there is this um, window of um, where a concentrated seawater is sent back into the deep ocean. So this seawater contains lithium. And so there is this window where we can change this waste into wealth because lithium is a sought after element. This kind of lithium extraction will result in significantly smaller amounts than quantities produced from hard rock mining. But researchers can extract enough of it to make some money and offset the costs of desalination. I, I stress this is an alternative because the lithium that we can produce from this will not be able to be give us the amount that is required for the world production of lithium demand. But there is a significant amount that we can use to change the waste into something that can offset the treatment process of the desalination plant if we can extract it sustainably and produce lithium at the same time. The scientists have been using similar nanofiltration technology as practiced in geothermal water extraction methods. The first step is to understand how lithium appears in water. And so if you look at the periodic table of elements, each element have different chemical characteristics. Each of it has different chemical size and ionic radius. So lithium has a very unique element size because it's also the lightest material in the periodic table of elements. Once the scientists know which shape to look for, they can design a filter to capture only lithium-sized particles. But if you put it under a high microscope, it would be like looking at M&M um, chocolates that we put together into and build into a block. And if we uh, mold the M&M chocolates into different sizes, we get different building blocks. So we design and synthesize our nanomaterials 
to specifically capture lithium in the seawater and not any other elements. But Gayathri says the project is still in its infancy stage. So the catch here is that it's not so easy to synthesise this and it's also quite an expensive process. So when we reach a point where we can synthesise this in a large scale and it can be commercially viable, then we will be able to produce lithium sustainably from seawater brine and this will be able to offset the desalination treatment costs for brine. Researchers around the world are evaluating different ways of extracting lithium. Everybody's looking at different ways to extract this. And so the nanomaterials we are building would be unique to that of other research teams. The journey and the destination is that uh, who's going to reach the point where you can commercialise it sustainably and um, cost-effectively, which um, at this point everybody's working towards. Rick says because there is so much lithium in the world, we have the luxury to choose sustainable, alternative methods of extracting it. You know, when you look at the predictions of increased lithium consumption going out to 2050, and you say, all right, well, let's take a 2050 consumption and look at, look at the lithium that we know about now. We have 400 years worth of lithium. So, so this is an element where, where um, we do have the capacity to pick and choose and say, um, let's not just go for the cheapest lithium, let's go for the lithium that is the least impactful on the environment and, and, um, and communities surrounding the, the project. Hard rock mining companies are looking to lower their emissions by altering the extraction process. Almost all the major mining companies out there now are well down the track in, in track in enacting plans to become net zero um, as quickly as possible. Most most by 2050, um, some by 2030. So they're really being driven by investors to be more in, more aggressive in their approach to decarbonizing than than um, we have as a country have been. Experts say frameworks should be established to monitor the demand and supply of minerals and their environmental impact going into the future. For example, the Paris Climate Agreement has a global framework for managing carbon, but nothing exists for minerals. There are a whole series of, of um, I guess, regulatory frameworks that are sort of in development where people are trying to, to create a framework that will, you know, allow auditing of of um, of companies' performance in terms of you know having a supply chain uh, you know an auditable supply chain for their metals so that you can you can say well the copper that went into this um, technology uh, you know this is clean copper this is copper that was produced um, without emissions or 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 without producing contamination um, and we can certify it in the following way. University of Queensland researchers have already made a start mapping the world's potential mining areas and assessing how they overlap with biodiversity conservation sites. The researchers have found that in some places, the extraction of renewables minerals may cause more damage to nature than the climate change it averts. 
especially in countries where the resource sector is not strongly regulated, like Bolivia, where the world's second largest untouched lithium reserve sits. So it's great to say, oh, you know, we're going to be able to source all these wonderful new, um, you know, all these new sources of metals that will allow us to decarbonize, but we don't want to um, make negative impacts on Australia's biodiversity in so doing. So, so I guess what we're hoping is that that work will highlight that and, and will be a bit of a call to action. We really have to be careful and conscious of, of how we obtain these metals and make the, take the measures that we need to take in order to make sure that we don't create a worse impact than we're creating now in the, in the process of supposedly saving the world. Think Digital Futures is made possible with the support of 2SER Radio, the University of Technology Sydney, and is heard around Australia on the Community Radio Network. Think Digital Futures is made in Sydney, which sits on Gadigal land of the Eora Nation, whose sovereignty was never ceded. You can subscribe to Think Digital Futures wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Julia Karkatzel. Thanks for your company.